Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. Um, I was praying about the direction uh, for tonight and, and really what I, I felt, you know, I wanted just to seek God and what the Holy Spirit wants to say tonight. And I really felt very strongly just to, just to uh, stay in the same groove, so to speak, in the same vein uh, as, as our weekends. And, and that is, we're in a series right now called Relate. Everybody say Relate. How many have enjoyed the series up to this point? Hasn't it been awesome? Just been great. Man, it's been good. At the very beginning, we launched our uh, our groups, and that Sunday we were talking about we relate to God as our Creator. We relate we, we relate to Him as our Creator, and as we do that, we realize and we value the importance of being connected. We, va- we realize and value the importance of relationships and healthy relationships. Then, then the next week uh, we talked about um, a marriage, and uh, uh, Pastor Sam and Miss Becky knocked it out of the park. I'm telling you, it was awesome, awesome. Great, great. And then uh, this past Sunday, and as a matter of fact, we're doing this on both campuses. So, you know, Shreveport and Lake Charles, we're doing this on both campuses. This past Sunday, uh, we, we talked about uh, what? Parenting. I need some help raising some folks, raising some kids. Amen. How many knows we can do that? And again, uh, Pastor and Miss Becky just did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Uh, how many just like it when they both tag team, when they're all up here? To, and it's just it's powerful, so great. And, and so really what I want to do is tonight, I want to jump into, again, that same vein in regards to parenting, parenting. And, and, uh, but, but this message tonight, uh, you, it, it, it will help you, it will help you if you are leading as a parent but also if you are just leading in the workplace uh, or if you're a grandparent, it's going to help you. I promise you, it's going it's it's to help you. So again, the point of the series is this. The, 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 the better we get, the stronger our relationship with God becomes. And the better we get in regards to relating to him, the better our relationships are going to be. Okay? The better our relationships are going to be. I, I didn't say that they would necessarily uh, be a lot easier, but, but yet I guess they would be because you know how to, to handle those relationships based on, let me say it this way, how God handles you. Amen. <laughs> for example, for example, uh, it, uh, husbands, if you want to love your wives the way God wants you to love them, then you're going to love them the way that Christ loves you. So if you know, if this relationship is growing and stronger and you understand God's love towards you, then what's going to happen? You're going to be able to love your wives like Christ loves the church. And let me give you a little secret. When you begin to do that, your wives are going to not have, they're not going to have any problem submitting to your, your leadership in the home. And all the wives said, amen. amen. Or, or as this relationship uh, gets better in regards to uh, forgiveness, you know, I, I can't forgive somebody the way that God wants me to forgive unless I understand how God's forgiven me. <laughs> That's the reason I just can't stay bitter at somebody. Why? Because God's forgiven me. Can somebody say, thank God for God's forgiveness? Thank God for it. Thank God for his forgiveness. So you can't really effectively love um, God without loving people, and you really can't Love people effectively without loving God. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all of your strength. In other words, love God with every single thing you've got. Be all in and loving him. 
But the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So how do you see God? How do you see God? Do you see God as your creator? You should be. He made you. How do you see God as your redeemer? You should because he's redeemed you. But I think, I think one of the greatest ways that God wants us to see him is that God wants to see him, us to see him as our father. I, I, think, I think if we, if we had to put, put his favorite thing he loves to be to us, if we had to put make a list, I think him being our father is the number one thing and the number one way he wants us to see him and he wants us to relate to him. And the reality of it is this, is, is, is that if, if as that relationship grows, then that's going to help us when it comes to parenting. And or let me just say it this way, not just parenting, but it's going to help us lead the next generation. It's going to help us lead the next generation. How many of you know that it's important that the next generation it's important for them to be led. Next generation, how many of you believe that it's important that you're in a place where you will be led? Can I have a better amen than that? So listen to what Jesus said, talking about, um, talking about I think, God, his most, the mo- his most desired thing. If we, could, if we could just get one thing right in the way that we relate to him, I believe with all of my heart it would be that we would relate to him as, as our heavenly father. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It says, in this, in this manner, therefore pray, O our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I, th- I think that uh, there's a, a huge blessing when Jesus said that, I think it was a great, great blessing when Jesus was asked, teach us how to pray, that Jesus said this. This is the way you pray, ladies and gentlemen, that you pray our what? Father. Not just our creator, not just the big guy in the sky, but our what? Our Father. That was revolutionary. When Jesus said that, that was revolutionary. And one of the things that I love is that when he said that, what he was doing is he was saying this, is that it's, going to, it's possible for God to have the same relationship with other people as Jesus is saying that people that he has with me. In other words, he's just as much your father is as he is Jesus' father. He loves you just as much. He is for you just as much as Jesus. Can somebody get excited about that tonight? I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. John 1.12, it says this. It says, he gave the right and the power to become children of God to those who've received him. And he gave this to those who put their trust in his name. So here's my point. We can use our relationship with God as a template or a guide to successfully parent our children or to lead the next generation. So the question is this. question is this. What does that look like? What, what should our relationship with God, our Father, what does that look like? Because if we're supposed to use it, we can use it as a template, as a guide to lead our children and to lead the next generation. What is that supposed to look like? Well, I kind of wrestled with that for a little bit. And I thought, what would be a good scripture that sort of captures that? And I found it in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. 
It says this, it says, but the true children of God are those who let God's spirit do what? Let's, Let's read that one again. The true children of God are those who let God's spirit do what? Do what? (laughs) Talking about taking our relationship with God and using that as a template, using as a template to, to, to lead our children and to lead the next generation. But he says here that true children of God are those who let God's spirit do what? So when we're synced with God as our heavenly father, we allow him to lead us in our life. So this is the approach we need to take with our kids. This is the approach that we need to take with the next generation that we need to learn, listen to me, that we are here to lead them. That's the reason Paul said in Ephesians 6, 4, he says, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. And the young folks and the kids will be like, praise God. I'm glad. Pastor John brought that one up. Like, you're that dad, you're that mom. Watch this. It says, take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. In other words, the word exasperate there, it simply means this. It, it, it gives a picture. It means not to use your size or your position as leverage to get them to do what you want them to do and be. In other words, it, you, use your, you use your size and you use your place to intimidate them, to get them to do what you want them to do. He said, instead, instead of... Handling kids that way, what you do is, is you take them by the hand and lead them. If we looked at it this way, that you're leading them the way that your father, your heavenly father is leading you. (laughs) In other words, this relationship, we get better at this relationship than this relationship is going to get better. David got it. He, he, he got this. He grasped this because in Psalm 23, 2 and 3, it says that he, God, makes me lie down in green pastures. He, God, leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He, God, guides me along the right path, what, for his namesake. So he, he got it. He understood that, that his relationship with God is one where he, he's, 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 he's led, parents, And leaders of children and kids, listen to me. Your best bet to prepare your children for the future is through a relationship and not just by rules. Lead them in a relationship based upon God's principles. Why? Because that's what your relationship with God, the Father, is supposed to be like. I don't know how many times over the years people, people say, well, the, the Bible is just a book of rules. <laughs> no, it's not. Especially you get over in the New Testament. It's a collection of principles and truths that are everlasting and that will help you do life with God as he leads you through this life. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. It's not rules, but a relationship based on principles. And listen, When we're guiding our children and we're leading our children or we're leading the younger generation, listen, we need to help them. We need to help them understand that there's a power, there's power, there's there's, the principle of choice. You you know, with God, listen to me, with God, you can do whatever you want to do. You can can do whatever you want to do. He'll just let you just do whatever you want to do. Say, go get it, big boy. 
<laughs> you want to be a man, be a man. You want to make that choice, go for it. Or you want to make this choice, go for it. But he's like, but if you make this choice, there's going to be consequences. But also, if you make this choice over here, there's going to be consequences. This choice over here, if you, you want to do my life my way, the consequences are going to be pretty good. But if you want to do life on your own, the consequences are going to be pretty tough. Listen to me. We need to raise our children the same way. I remember. We need to help them and say, look, look, I'll help you and I'll guide you in making some decisions. Let me just say this real quick. Let me say this. I'm not up here saying you need to let kid the, your children decide what they're going to do. No, you need to guide them in making choices and decisions. There, there, there were times that there were times that when we were you know raising, we have two daughters. One of them, you know, you saw on the screen earlier on Point of Connection. That's Haley. She's the oldest. We've got Faith. She's the one down here who was correcting her dad earlier. <laughs> and so, so when we, we you know we, when we would discipline them, typically this is the way it would work. You know, they, they, we, we would say, we would just say, hey, hey guys, this is the way we're going to do life. This is, this is the way, this is the way we're going to do life. We're not going to have strife. We're, we're not going to have all that stuff. That's not God's best. This is, this is how we're going to do life. But you know, there are some times that they decided that they were going to do their own thing. Right. So we would sit down with them. I would sit down with them. Uh, most of the time it was me and uh, I would sit down with them and, and we, we would talk through it. So, so what, what I would do is I would say, all right, I want you to sit down and, and here, here, here is, here's where, here's. The reason we're having this conversation, and here's the judgment that's going to come. Now, with one, the oldest, Haley, it was fairly easy. Haley would be like, okay, let's just get it over with. But there's another one. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but by the process of elimination, if I... <laughs> there are times I would say, listen, you deserve, to both of them, you deserve judgment but I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you mercy. But there were times where they would use that against me. You're going to, you're going to receive judgment. And this is what that looks like. And they would start going, but mercy, mercy. And the, the other one that's, I'm not going to call her name. She's sitting up on the front row and her name is Faith. She was, she was a little bit different. Mercy, Dad, mercy, mercy. I'm like, I hadn't even laid a hand on you yet. I mean, it's... <laughs> but how many, listen, how many of you know with God, he'll let you do what you want to do? But also, how many of you know that there are times, even when you mess up, you come back to God and you say, God, have mercy on me. But then, then, then even there are times he'll also... Let you still feel the pressure of it. Because he wants you to remember and gain some wisdom through the process. Can I have a better amen than that? So here's what I want to get to this evening. One of the most effective ways to lead our children and to lead the next generation is by helping them with context. And here's why. For the first time really in history, for the first time really in history, our children and the younger generation don't need us for information. 
In other words, there's so much information out there. There's so many different avenues. Matter of fact, Pastor touched on this Sunday. Parents with the smartphones and the apps, pay attention to what's going on. It's not their phone. If they live in your house, you pay for it. Come on now. You have access to that phone. But really for the first time in history, younger people don't have to come to the the forerunner, the forerunner generation and say, help me with life and give me information about life. They don't have to do that. But I can tell you for sure what they do need. They may not need us for information, but they need us for context. Are you following me? In other words, to make sense out of the information that they're getting. Are you following me? And so I want to give you, I want to give you uh, four things. I think it's just four. Four things that we've got to help the younger generation give context to. The number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. The number one is speed. Today, everything is fast. Everything is instant gratification. Listen, how many of you remember when, when, uh, when the internet first came out? You remember that? The dial-up? You remember that? And and I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, this is incredible. (laughs) You know, you push the thing, the modem, the modem clicked in, and it started going, you remember that? (sighs) Make all that crazy noise. And you're like, this is amazing. (laughs) And like seven minutes later, you finally hooked up to the internet. You're like, this is incredible. But the reason it was incredible at that time, because then I didn't have to go to the library to get information. It was right there. But let me ask you a question. How many today would wait seven minutes for your internet to connect? (laughs) I mean, if if it's like over 30 seconds, we're like, get me another, get me some more service. I've got to get. Because everything's fast, right? I mean, it's speed, 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 instant gratification, instant gratification. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If you were brought up with fast and everything's fast, everything's fast, then you will begin to believe that slow is bad. You'll begin to believe that slow is bad. But how many of you know there are certain things that just take time? You say, tell me one. Relationships. I shared some of these thoughts at the Lake Charles campus, and I had a young man that came up to me. He just got engaged. I asked him how they got, how they met each other. He said, we met through an app. He said, so, you know, there is an app for relationships. It's kind of, you know, gave me a little pushback. (laughs) I said, young man. You just got engaged. The Alp just helped you make the connection. That Alp is not going to help you build a relationship. (laughs) Why? Because there are certain things that just take time. A few years ago, I I just, I'd gotten frustrated. I just got frustrated with the younger generation. I'll be honest with you. I was like, I could strangle them. You know, it just bothered me. Like entitlement. 
you deserve this because you're breathing. I want it and I want it now. But God began to deal with me and he said, you need, you need to figure them out. It's better than murder. You, you need to start thinking about it. You know, you're a pastor. You want to reach the next generation. It's biblical. So how do we do that? So I, I, I started studying and started working and I began to understand. I began, this dawned on me. Listen to me. They can't help that they were born in the time that they were born in. They can't help that they were born to the parents that they were born to. They told them that they could have whatever and be whatever. And you just got to, you know, you're a winner because you participated. They, they can't help that. They didn't choose that. And so my, my heart began to shift. So I began to go, you know what? These kids need me. They, they, they need us, guys. They, they need us, older generation, to help give context and say, listen, young man, you're not going to be the CEO when you're 23. There are certain things that just take what? Time. That's where we come in and we, we, we help them out. We help them understand that God is, the, God is the God of process. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Process takes time. For it is God who works in you to will and to do, excuse me, will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In other words, God is a God of what? Process. Speed is not always bad. Never better amen than that. Amen. Next is convenience. Take notes, write that down. Convenience. The world's full of convenience. If you grow up in a world of convenience, you begin to believe that heart is bad. Matter of fact, matter of fact, in, in um, one of the number one thing that K through 12 educators are hearing right now is, is students say this, it's too hard. It's just, it's just too hard. Remember Haley, um, if I brought her up here and said, Haley, of all the teachers you had in school, what was your favorite? Who, who, who was your favorite? She, I know what she's going to say. She's going to say Mr. A. Mr. Agater was his full name. She just called him Mr. A. Fourth grade? Fourth grade teacher? I'll never forget the first time that we went and we met Mr. A. I mean, I liked the guy right off the bat because we started talking and he said, listen, here's my philosophy in helping kids. He said, I want, I let them struggle. I want them to experience, I want them to experience some, some struggle. Instead of me just jumping in and helping them just make the grade, I want them to, to process things. I want them to struggle and work through things because see, I love what he said. He said, I want to help prepare them for life. <laughs> Why is that? You need to love your kids enough to let them struggle at times. Don't jump in and rescue them. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 and 30, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Watch this, verse 30, for my yoke is easy, and my what? My what? He didn't say you would have a burden. 
We, we, we need to help them, give them context and to help them understand. Listen, some, sometimes life is tough. And you just don't quit because life is tough. We guide them and we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't just rescue them all the time. I was, I was reading not long ago in Judges, uh, Judges chapter 3. Very interesting. Joshua had just passed away. Of course, he got them, he got them uh, God's people in the promised land. So they're in Canaan. And it says this. It said, it said in verse 3, Judges 3.3, 3, it says that God left some of the enemy in Canaan on purpose. Do you know why? It went on to say, so that the younger generation would know how to fight. (laughs) So the last thing that we need to do is every time our kids begin to struggle a bit, that we jump in there and rescue them. No, no, no. We love them enough to help guide them. Instead of when they come home, mama. So-and-so said something hurt my feelings or so-and-so, you know, posted something and it hurt my feelings. Instead of going, well, I'll just go up there and I'll tell them a thing or two. <laughs> or, or here's what you do. Here's what you do. You go back and you post something else back. No, instead, of, instead of do that, listen, sit it down and guide them through that. And he's like, let, let, me, let me just tell you, this is what she might have said about you, but let me tell you what God says about you. I know, I, know, I, know, I know this is what he said about you, but, but let, 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 me tell you, let me tell you what dad says about you. Let me tell you what mama says about you. Have a better amen than that. Amen. Next thing we need to help them give context to is entertainment. I have a love-hate relationship with Netflix. Anybody know Netflix? Anybody familiar? I have a love-hate. I love it because the, the selections are endless. I hate it because the selection are endless. <laughs> I can't, because you know, I, you, you, you're scrolling through, and you got one here, and you can, you can see the ones on the side, and you got it, and you go, oh, that, that looks good, and then you go, oh, that one to the right, that looks pretty good. And then, I mean, it's just like, it just keeps going on and on and over, like 40 minutes later, you're going. <laughs> but entertainment today, it's unprecedented. It's everywhere. But if you're brought up, if, if, if our kids are brought up in, in this culture in this, where entertainment is it's, it's everywhere, they, here's, what, here's what they can begin to think. The quiet is boring and being still is bad. The quiet is boring and the being still is bad. Please listen to me. Parents, parents, watch technology. Say said this better. Because you'd be like, I do all the time. <laughs> Let me clarify this. Watch how much you think you know you think you know where I'm going. Watch how much you use technology. And then watch how much your children are exposed to technology. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is that they'll be brought up and they won't know the value and the importance of getting and being quiet. 
Listen, it can get so noisy that we can't hear God talking to us. It can get so noisy that we can't hear God speaking to us. How many remember a young man by the name of Samuel? Remember him? You remember remember where he lived at when he was a kid? Remember that? He lived in the temple with a priest named Eli. And so Samuel goes to bed one night and Eli's over in his, his bedroom and all of a sudden, Samuel walks into Eli's room and he goes, hey, uh, excuse me, he said, uh, what do you need? And Samuel rubs his eyes. He's like, what are you talking about? He said, you, you, you called for me. I didn't call for you, boy. Go back in the bed. <laughs> A few minutes later, comes Samuel back. Eli, what, what do you need? Son, I don't need anything. I need you to go back to bed. <laughs> Happen again. After the third time, Samuel realized what was going, excuse me, Eli realized what was going on. He said, that's God talking to him. So there's a reason Eli said to Samuel, next time you hear that voice, just say, I'm listening to you, God. I hear what you're saying. Listen to me. When did God come to Samuel? when it was quiet he didn't come to him during the day when the when the when the the the, everything was busy and everything was moving he came to him when when he was quiet at night when it's still everybody listen to me we got to help our kids be okay with being quiet lead by example have some technology free evenings and you're like well what would we do because we're so used to this. <laughs> Just sit there and stare at each other until you come up with something to say. <laughs> Talk. Ask questions. And everybody said amen. amen. Give context to nurture. Give context to nurture. Let me just put it this way, over-nurturing. See, because what happens is if we over-nurture our kids, what happens is is that we raise them up believing that risk is bad, that taking a risk is bad. You see, today, studies are showing that the college students, they have high arrogance. In other words, I can do anything. But yet... Very low self-esteem. In other words, I, I can do anything. But yet, they're, they're, they're afraid to go after it. The reason for that is because their parents have set them up for success all their life. Listen, nurture is not to create a world where they'll need you for the rest of your life. Nurture is to bring them up to trust God for the rest of their lives. Everybody, everybody look at me. Parents. Everybody look at me. You're not going to live forever. God is forever. Forever. 
and you're not. Do your kids a favor and raise them up not to depend on you, but to trust in God. That was really good. Amen. I know I had to get it started, but I thought it was a good place to do that. (laughs) If you're creating a world where they will always depend on you, you're you're not helping them at all. The greatest reward is that your kids can do life without you. Isaiah 26, 4 says, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He's the eternal rock. He's going to be long after you're not there. He's going to be there. Amen? So wrap up this evening. Wrap up this evening. If I could leave you with just one piece of advice, just one piece of advice, I would say this. Don't strive to be a perfect parent. But just be genuine. Don't strive to be a perfect parent because it's not, it's not possible. There have been several times I thought, man, if I could go back and do this different, I would. If I could go back and, 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 and spend more time with my girls, I, I would have done it. If I would have just done this or that, I, 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 I would do it. So it's impossible to be a perfect parent, but it's possible to be genuine. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about this, that there's two sides to us, two sides to everybody. There's the part that we project, and then there's the part that we protect. The part that we project is the part that we want everybody to see. Because we want people to think good of us, and we want people to believe this in us, but so we project this, and we project this image, and we got it out here. And then there's, there's the part that we protect. That's the part that we really don't want people to see. Because <laughs> we're like, if they see this, the real me, they're not going to respect me or they'll reject me. And so we just project and we protect. But see, the goal really is to close the gap. That's the goal. Because that's when you become genuine. You see... There's something that parents, excuse me, kids are really good at. They can see the real you. They can see that. Someone said, don't worry about the fact that your kids don't listen to you. Be concerned about the fact that they can see who you really are. I think one of the number one things after having raised two daughters and being in the ministry for 20-something years and being able to see the end result of parents and the way that parents raise their children, through observation, I've seen things, and through experience, I've seen things. But I think one of the number one things, the number one thing, I think, that turns more kids away from a life walking with God is that they don't see a genuine faith in their parents. They don't see a genuine faith. The parents, they're, they, they, they're, they're this way here, but there's somebody else when they're at home. Everybody listen to me. Listen. The seeds that you sow don't come from the person that you project. The seeds that you sow come from the person you protect, the side that you protect.
So what happens is, is, is that as parents, if we don't learn the importance of being genuine, you say, well, what does that look like? What does that, what does that, what does that look like? Being genuine is sometimes when you, you blow it, you miss it, to sit down with your kids, look them straight in the eye, and say, you know what? Dad blew it. I made this judgment. It was too quick. And I'm sorry. I've done that with the girls. And I think one of the most precious things is that when they would say, oh, Dad, I forgive you. Instead of going, instead of acting like covering up and going, I'm perfect. You're going to do it because I said you're supposed to do it. Uh, You do it because I'm dad and you're not. But just be genuine. And then when you do, you show those imperfections. Just be willing. Don't try to cover them up. Are you following me? Don't try to be perfect. Just be what? Just be genuine. James said this. He's talking about two kinds of faith. He said, you can show your faith by what you say, but I'll show you my faith by what I I do. As a parent and leader for the next generation, go with the latter one. That's the genuine faith. Don't, Don't just talk about being a Christian to your kids. Do your best to be the best one that you can be. And not if, but when you blow it. Be willing to go, I blew it. (laughs) I blew it. You know why? Because most of the time they know you did. (laughs) I think one of the greatest things that I learned, excuse me, is that our kids are much more observant than I thought. As they got older. You know, when they get older, they start telling you stuff that you didn't know. And you're like, you better be glad I didn't know when you... But then the other things that they, the girls have shared with me, I'm like, you, you noticed that? You, you noticed that? One of the things as a pastor that we work real hard to do is that we want our girls to believe that everybody in the church was a saint. Everybody was a saint. I mean, they, they, they believed that for... And when they got a little older, matter of fact, one of my daughters called, wasn't that long ago, she called me, she said, thank you, Dad. Thank you. Thank you. And I said, what are you talking about? I know what you were doing. I said, what are you talking about? She said, Mom, you and Mom never said anything bad about people in the church. Even if they were going through times and they were leaving or whatever, you, you never said anything bad in, in front of us. Ever. So my point is this. Is this, I did, we did some things right, but we also did some things that we wish we could do over again. So we weren't perfect, but we worked so hard just to be genuine. I encourage you to do the same thing. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.